working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie. You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH, The Flush. Well, hey there, everybody. It's me, Joe Thrash and Kill. You're listening to another thrilling episode of The Toilet of Hell Radio Show. Uh, as you know by the uh, the spooky music at the beginning, uh, I hope nobody's wet their pants by now. It is, in fact, the October Spooktacular. We're keeping on trucking here. I've, of course, got Jordan with me. Jordan, are you adequately scared? I am always adequately scared. I just, you know, turn the news on, read whatever's on the internet, and I'm properly terrified. You know, a lot of people, uh, they were uh, they were pretty scared of that uh that it remake, you know, the classic uh, Stephen King uh, story about the, the the scary clown, but that's nothing compared to these clowns in Congress. Am I right? Easy there, Jay Leno. And we are joined, of course, today. We got a guest uh, coming all the way uh, from the home of ESPN. Uh, we've got Nikita of Sunseeker. Nikita, how are you? Honk honk honk. Oh God! I'm pretty God good. damn it! I'm pretty good. I hate it when people that actually listen to this show do the show. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I felt. I felt like it was a rite of passage. Uh, Nikita, how, how are things going in uh, in Connecticut today? Um. Well, we actually had a, a pretty pretty uh, uh big shoot. Not big shooting, I guess, but we had a shooting like nearby my uh, girlfriend's brother's house. So. That's been all people have been talking about on the Facebook groups lately. Oh, that's so good. Uh, I, I didn't figure anything happened, you know, in Connecticut aside from like, uh, you know, uh, sports broadcasts and uh, I don't know, uh, hate breed. <laughs> I think I think those are the big things. Uh, it's like the countries in Europe that people don't want to visit. Things happen. You just don't hear about it. Oh, OK. Well, that makes sense then. Yeah, Connecticut um, is like rich gated communities and the rest is like dumpy suburbs and a couple of eh cities that's that's probably the best way to put it yeah all right well i know that there's uh there's hartford uh which used to have sports but does not have sports anymore uh what's what's their deal what what do they got going on over there oh in hartford i mean we got i think we got a, a, a crappy little baseball team and the wolf pack so that's what we got for sports yeah, that's something. We'll take it. Yeah. Hartford is mostly like financial buildings. God, yeah. And like one terrible venue. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the, the Webster the Webster can burn and rot for all I care. <laughs> so uh can you describe the uh the scene that you uh you've come out of here, uh in in your in your spot in Connecticut? Um, it's you know, it's being a small state, it's a very small scene. Uh there's like kind of booking shows gets kind of hard because there's only a handful of bands that you can play with and a handful of venues you can play at before you're doing like a mini tour of like the same three. Um, I'm actually kind of getting to that point right now where it's like, all right, cool. We just got the show done. What do you want to play next? Oh, the next one's in the the one, the other venue. All right. Well, what about <laughs> after that? Oh, we're back here. OK, so it's, it's that little dance. You, you quickly like this year was um us like making up for the pandemic taking away all of our shows from us so now we're at the point where we're like all right we should probably branch out of the state because there's not much left here for us to play well where's where's next then what's uh what's what's the next uh next state on the sun seeker grand tour 
Uh, actually, we do. We are hitting Sammy's and Revere Mass, so it's like closer to the Boston area. So that'll be nice. We hit the the eponymous Ralph's Rock Diner uh, back in April, so that was pretty fun. I mean, we're we're planning on doing more stuff. Like at one point, hitting Rhode Island because we got uh, a couple of friends of ours out there. Uh, present company, of course, included. Um, <laughs> that we want to play with. Uh, I know in New York City, we got a few friends we want to play with. So there's there's options. It's just a matter of getting the work schedules lining up and actually having the shows line up. You know. Uh, I feel like Jordan, you wanted to warn Nikita about something. Uh, <laughs> you got to be more specific. Oh, oh no, I remember now. Uh, here. Let's cut this out because I do have to tell you about <laughs> soon, but we're keeping this off the show. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, transition back to the episode. I'm going to do this in a really <laughs> in a really unnecessary way. Like, oh, man, not the diddler. OK. All right. Uh, boy. Well, that's uh, that's something to be looking out for in the future, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, good. Good call. Uh, well, uh Tell us, uh, you know, any aside from uh, playing some shows uh, here in the future, uh, what are the big plans with Sunseeker soon? So right now we're waiting to get back the final mixes on a single and a cover we're going to do, like a little two-track EP. I'm um, just finishing up stuff for that. And then uh, this has been kind of our year of shows. So next year is going to be a couple select events uh, and mostly just writing, uh, prepping for a full-length uh, it's been, you know, it's been a, over a year on the EP. We managed to get caught back up, so I think it's time we, uh, you know, do the next logical step and actually release an album. That uh, I mean, that that follows. I think that tracks. Um, and you got got? Have you been uh, shopping around to see if anybody wants to pick this one up? Uh, honestly, I'm trying to keep doing the DIY thing as long as I can, just because. Um, and this is going to sound really bad. Like I have a lot of shit on my plate. And I don't think I can like handle uh, label obligations on top of that. But we'll see. We'll see what comes. You know, I'm never gonna say never. No, that makes sense. Uh, I think that uh, I'm a big fan of uh, not being responsible to anybody else. I think that's a really underrated thing. <laughs> uh, I would recommend on, it. It depends on how you want to look at sort of things. Like uh, on a smaller label that you would sign to, you probably wouldn't really have any obligations. Uh, a sort of contract you sign, like most of them aren't going to say you have to play X amount of times or you have to play in certain places or, you know, you're not going to sign a three album contract. They're just going to put out this one album. And depending on the type of label it is, you'll agree to any sort of split of uh, any money that you make. But at the same time, a label will handle some of the responsibilities to take some of the things off of your plate, whether it's working with PR, contacting websites and shows like ours to try to get you played or get reviews done so it's a it's a little bit of give and take to see like what works for you you know if you've gotten this far with just doing things yourself then and if it works for you keep doing that but uh the benefits of having at least a smaller label can ease some things up for you and at least reach some people that never would have found your music to begin with so once you get there when you figure things out you know you'll decide what works yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I, I kind of guess like, I don't know, well, I guess we'll see what happens. We haven't had any interest yet with the EP and stuff. But I mean, the DIY, like you mentioned, has kind of worked pretty okay. We've had some solid reviews come through and people seem to like it. I have a bunch of those little squares on Bandcamp, so I feel kind of proud of that. I mean, that's really the, the best joke you can have of being like, you know, an independent metal band is how many squares you got. 
do you have the square of the guy who buys everyone's album on metal Twitter, <laughs> uh, metal band camp rather? Uh, I, it depends on like which guy I've seen a couple of people that I've, uh, it's a bald guy with a beard. <laughs> oh <laughs> man. Narrows it down. I know. Right. Oh man. <laughs> I'll have to go back and, and look and hunt him down and just look through his collection, but probably, probably. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I, I really, uh, I want to, I want to put out some music just to try to like Pokemon collect them all with, you know, the guys that buy everything. I want to see if I can <laughs> see if I can hit the trifecta with them. And see if you get an email from Via Nocturne wanting to put it out. Greetings, friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, as long as your project doesn't do the thing mine did and have uh, two S's as the start of the words, because I had one PR, like, fake PR company be like, hey, what's up, SS? And I immediately deleted that. <laughs> yeah, just Greetings, little brother. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I'm, I'm good. So Nikita, we we brought you on the show for this uh, this you know special time of year, this October spooktacular. Uh, you you chose a movie for us. Uh, this one, I think, uh, generally a little bit more interesting than the average uh, schlock uh, that fools give us. Uh, do you want to tell us what movie that what movie that is? Sure. So it's uh, it's V. Uh, are um, argued as like the first Soviet horror movie ever made back in like 1967 uh, based off of I believe it's a short story off of a Ukrainian born writer from like the late 1800s yeah, it's, it's a fun flick it's a fun flick I actually didn't know about it uh, until kind of recently because my girlfriend was trying to learn Russian and she was looking for like movies and things uh, to watch to kind of get a grips with the language with subtitles and she found this and I'm like, that sounds pretty sweet. And then she got a Shutter uh, subscription. It was on there, and I go, that's pretty sweet. And then I heard English, and I go, I'm going to YouTube. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've scrolled past this on Shutter, God knows how many times, because I didn't, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know that it had any kind of like historical uh, importance to it. Uh, and uh, finally, getting to watch this, man, I was, uh, I was really pleased with the selection. Uh, reading a little bit more about it, um, I, I'm not sure that there were, and uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I couldn't find any other evidence of Soviet horror movies. I think they might have been one and done on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't see anything. I know that the Wikipedia page says that there's like a lost 1909 silent film, so I guess we can kind of put that as like a maybe this happened. But uh, no, I haven't seen many like russian or any soviet horror films unless you count like the really creepy children's movies because those can get some some pretty dark points in there uh so for a lot of us we're maybe not necessarily familiar with uh creepy russian children's movies you want to give us uh do you want to give us some backstory here (laughs) so like it's it's not like they're inherently creepy but there there's aspects of like the way russians did animation especially back in like the soviet union that just kind of can come off as unsettling um, definitely like some darker moments than like some of the uh, Western movies. Like there's one, um, there's a really horrifying like Winnie the Pooh that like the animation just looks, it's supposed to be cute, but it's very like grays and browns and, and it kind of looks weird. And there's one I remember that was like, it's it's on my, you can find all of these on YouTube. There's one where it's like uh, you have an owl part of the, in part of the story. Mind you, I haven't seen this in like 20 years. So my descriptions are, terrible but um 
yeah, just the way that the owl is animated and drawn and voiced is like genuinely unsettling. And, and look, looking back, you're looking at this and you go, "This makes sense as to why a lot of Russian kids are uh, are on CS:GO and and getting radicalized pretty badly." <laughs> Wait, they're getting <laughs> they're getting radicalized on a video game. Uh, I mean, that happens. But also, when you see when you see some of the weird imagery as a kid, you're kind of like, "Okay, that's that's totally normal." <laughs> It's there, there's just like some moments I, I specifically remember just being kind of out there and it's like, you know, stuff that you wouldn't normally uh, think of for for children. Well, uh, we'll have to investigate these further. Um, I think, you know, in in today's environment, I think things have been fairly sanded down, fairly sanitized in terms of entertainment for children. Um you know, at least for uh, for Western animation, uh, when I was a kid, I remember. Uh, you know, I, I've talked about it on the show before. The uh, the awful uh, claymation uh, Mark Twain stories, including uh, a horrifying depiction of Satan destroying a bunch of little uh, little villagers, and um, well, there, I guess there's Fern Gully, in which there's the uh, uh, personification of pollution. Uh, which I keep seeing women online saying like I wanted to fuck the uh, pollution monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Ah, oh, jeez, M- monster fuckers. Yeah, stay away. Very, very strange things. Um, people are too comfortable with the things that they say online, in my opinion. Um, Jordan, do you uh, do you recall any uh, any uh, you know kids animation that you think maybe wouldn't uh, wouldn't pass muster today? Watership down. Oh, that's a great, yeah. great pick! Great pick. <laughs> yep, that's that one. Secrets one's... of Nim. I never saw that one. That one gets pretty messed up. Um, Watership Down. That's a that's a that's a great pull, though. Uh, so yeah, with uh, with this uh, with this with this V, came out in 1967. I believe the head of the Soviet Union at the time was Brezhnev. That sound right to you guys? Uh, I'm not as polished on my Soviet history as I probably should be, but I'll, I'll say yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, 67 at the time uh, would probably be roughly the height of the Soviet Union's powers, uh, reaching parity with the United States or surpassing them uh, in things like the space race uh, and uh, with overall worldwide influence. Uh, things happen that, you know, uh, maybe push that down, unfortunately, for the uh, detriment of all of human society, but uh, at this point right here, I can I think we can point back to like, hey, that was uh, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool time uh, when things were happening. Um, as long as you didn't live in Yugoslavia, or Czechoslovakia, uh, Czech- or Ukraine, yeah, Czechoslovakia uh, had some interesting things going on over there. Uh, that uh, you know what, this is not a history podcast. Let's uh, let's go back to the movie here. Um, so with. Uh, <laughs> With V, like uh, it, this, this is such an interesting thing to come out because um, it's. I I think that I would describe it charitably. Uh, the the depiction here is that uh, the members of the Orthodox Church are uh, bumbling cretins. <laughs> it's this is, this is based off of the work of Nikolai Gogol, who is like. A hero, a writing hero of at first, like the Soviet Union made him his own, but he's Ukrainian and he's on stamps. He's, you know, his work is revered. So I think maybe there's a little being Ukrainian, the uh, subversiveness to his writing, at least, like you said, with coming with the Orthodox Church and with people in power generally. 
Uh, I guess that makes sense. Uh, the, the movie itself, it opens with, you know, I shouted it at my TV. I'm like, Monk fight! <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a bunch of uh, dipshits, total fucking morons, like, fighting each other, messing with a goat, petting a cat, <laughs> like, just causing a ruckus, being shitheads. Uh, and I can't say that I've ever seen a depiction of monks uh, in media that way before. <laughs> Um, so I was hoping that maybe one of you guys had some kind of background there on uh, maybe some kind of um, history with the church that uh, you could fill in with uh, why this was uh, being depicted that way. Well, I know that the Soviet government wasn't exactly like uh, super fond of religious institutions or the church, despite like the country being very much an Orthodox Christian like country, um, you know. So it's it's kind of it could be seen as like a bit of a propaganda against the church back in the day, but yeah, I I kind of like it. It's refreshing because you know you, you you get like your sleazy like monks or priests that come up every now and again, but these guys are just buffoons and doofuses and like the rector is they're calling the goat the rector and then the rector himself is like y'all are a bunch of shits and I'll beat you <laughs> if I have to. <laughs> yeah, like, in the same sentence saying, like, I will fucking beat the shit out of you. Uh, glory be to God. So I want to stress this, that the, the, this movie for being, you know, uh, the first maybe only horror movie uh, in the history of the Soviet Union is incredibly funny. Or at least I found it incredibly funny. I, I don't know about you fellas. Oh, no, they, they definitely insert a lot of humor. Um, without a doubt, with just the bumblingness of the protagonist and everybody else and, like, the surrounding cast always cracking jokes. It's, it's like, I don't know if it was supposed to be scary at the time or if it was supposed to be just, like, a supernatural comedy. Uh, I would argue that it's, uh, yeah, primarily a, a comedy, a, maybe a black comedy, at least until the last eight minutes of the movie. <laughs> Uh, I could see it being uh, that final few minutes being pretty uh, pretty scary for audiences back in back in that time, uh, but we will of course get to that moment. Uh, Jordan, what were your overall thoughts on this one? Uh, it reminded me a lot, and it makes sense because it came out roughly around the same time as like Jason and the Argonauts or Jack the Giant Killer. This sort of like fairy tale '60s, like bright Technicolor. Uh, some use of like claymation and uh, a little more creative in terms of filmmaking than had been done in the previous 10 years and being kind of expansive and like working with fairy tales. And um, yeah, I mean, the the comedy in it is intentional. And like I said, showing bumbling monks and drunken old people and just kind of there's a purpose to the movie. It's not just like propaganda right for example yeah uh yeah nikita what were what were your overall thoughts with this one uh i liked it a lot i kind of went into it with like minimal expectations just because i i wanted to go into it fresh um i liked it a lot uh i i watched it in both uh russian and english dub just to kind of compare the performances um i like the russian dub more but that's just bias for me it was it was a fun movie uh, the effects, like you were mentioning at the end, were actually really impressive to me. I'm surprised how well they hold up. Like honestly, even throughout the whole movie, the like supernatural effects, I think, hold up pretty damn well, all things considered. 
I was I was hooting and hollering at my TV like for the final several minutes of this movie. Like the things that they did here, you know, one hundred percent practical effects. Uh, you know, this is just personal preference. It beats the shit out of anything that you'll see in a Marvel movie over the last fifteen years. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, without without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because they stuffed a real human being into a paper mache and had to like <laughs> walk with them to make sure they could move and breathe. It fucking whips ass. Like it, it does it three times in the movie. And we'll get into the plot, of course, later. But the 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 panning the panoramic shots of our our monk cowering behind his his Bible, like in a circle. It is so cool. The effect is disorienting. Uh, it's impressive. Like it's. Uh, it's something that I'm, I'm kind of surprised you you I haven't seen more uh, in in movies at least as a cheap uh, effect that that's very useful I would say. The one time that it did remind me of seeing something similar was Ace Ventura Two, where he goes into uh, the room of someone where there's all dead animal heads around him, and the camera spins around him as he screams. <laughs> he says, "Yeah, that's you a- have a lovely room of death." <laughs> yep. <laughs> I recall that now. I think you're right. <laughs> it's it's fun to think about like people that have worked on you know movies all all across the decades. Like was somebody like in the cinematography department like influenced by V? Like when making fucking Ace Ventura two when Nature Calls. <laughs> I hope so. I imagine someone like took extensive classes in like classic Soviet cinema, like watched like Battleship Potemkin and all these things. <laughs> and then he's on Ace Ventura, like filming Jim Carrey pulling himself out of a fake rhino's asshole. Oh my God. Yeah. Like what were, what were your biggest influences on Ace Ventura 2? Well, I would say come and see uh, V. <laughs> <laughs> Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Metropolis, you know. Uh, I, I guess it's more likely than we think. Uh, lots of you know, lots of people. They don't. You don't get to necessarily pick your projects. I suppose you gotta. You gotta just work. Um, folks that are somehow involved in all of that shit, speak to us. I'd like to hear more. Um, okay, so let's let's go ahead and like maybe go back to the beginning here. We have. Um, I was reading about this that uh, I think the, the the reason that this was um, this movie was basically allowed uh, because the uh, Brezhnev uh, premiership was pretty conservative uh, in terms of culture uh, is that because this movie was based on a folktale, uh, specifically the the Gogol uh, story, uh, they were like, yeah, I guess it's okay to make this. Uh, so if you know folks are familiar with the uh, you know the the novel, I guess you know I guess you can skip this part for for the rest of us. Jordan, have you read, have you read any Gogol? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I have read. I did take a class on it was Russian history, and I did had to read a couple of short Russian story literature as part of it. Um, but I don't recall ever reading any of his work. Yeah, same. Nikita, any chance you stumbled across it? Gogol probably not, um, which I know my my mother's gonna immediately be like, you should read more Gogol now. You, you, <laughs> you've seen V, because my mom she loves all the Russian literature and stuff like that. But no, I haven't. I took like I had some classes where I had to read some Russian literature, and one of our songs is based off of a Russian uh, short story from Tolstoy. But um, yeah, no, I haven't had a chance to go to Gogol yet. Uh, well, I guess this is a, this is an opportunity for us all uh, as we dive in here. 
Uh, as I mentioned, like our opening scene is, um, you know, a big dusty field uh, filled with filled with dipshit monks uh, fucking around. Uh, I, I don't know of any better way to describe that. Do you guys <laughs> have a description you want to offer here? It's it's like children throwing out all their papers before summer vacation, <laughs> but instead of throwing out all their papers, they're just like messing with a goat and and yeah, goofing off. It yeah. needed some Alice Cooper schools out for summer playing <laughs> over it. I, I, I agree with you. It's great these these monks. They're all seminary students, as it were, but. You know, their ages range from like 25 to, I don't know, 50. <laughs> <laughs> Never too late to give your life to the Lord. I, I guess that's true. Um, you know, so they're, they're head of the, I don't know, monastery or whatever is like, all right, we'll go home for summer vacation, but don't, don't fuck around too much. I heard so many complaints, you know, you got, uh, you know, the, uh, the head monk drunk and made him sing, you know, body songs or whatever don't do that shit <laughs> and uh, as they're being released they just go off in a tear they immediately like start stealing gooses geese rather they start stealing geese start like sexually harassing women like it's just a fucking mess with these goddamn monks uh, so again it felt very pointed to me I don't know about you guys yeah, his his uh his his speech was justified considering I'm pretty sure like one of the guy before we focus on like the main character like one of the seminary students just straight up steals a woman and runs off screen. <laughs> Very on the nose here, I guess. Um, so we have uh, we separate uh, all of the the big uh, wad of monks into a group of three. Uh, we have the philosopher, the orator, and the the theologian. Right? Did I get that one right? Yeah. And so they're all uh, you know walking across the countryside uh, through uh, Ukraine, uh, and they realize it's dark as fuck. We got nowhere to stay. We need to find something. Um, One's like, we could sleep out in the stars, and that's the other one says, that's foolish. If we go somewhere with people, we can drink vodka. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, that's a better idea. <laughs> one thing that did strike me was watching this opening scene and just seeing the landscape. Uh, I know when like, watching Western American Canadian movies, you tend to be able to like pick out where things are being filmed like you can generally tell when something's like being filmed in the rocky mountains or you know wheat fields in nebraska and seeing this one just the open expanse of where they're filming and just not really seeing anything else except for like a couple of farm animals and uh, some pies of water it's like we are really in a different place it is not what i'm used to as someone watches american movies yeah i mean i've, I've never been to um Russia, Ukraine, anywhere around there. Have you, Nikita? Yeah, I went back to the country. Uh, Grand, Grand, it's been like for almost 20 years since I went back. And at this point, I don't think that's ever going to change. Um, but, you know, I have gone out to the countryside and it's just flat land. I mean, it's just like that, you know. Uh, occasionally, like depending on where you go, you might find like some mountainous areas. But that's also like in, in the wastelands of Siberia. It's very much just endless flat land with like a couple of villages here and there even even still that maybe like a little bit a little bit bigger and a bit more like westernized but a lot of it does still look like that well there you go there's your there's your uh 
I guess your scenic countryside is is what we see here. Um, you know, eventually in the dark, they manage to make out uh, a farmhouse, and uh, they run up to the gate and act like goddamn fools. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, can you describe their, I don't know, their approach here to getting to getting inside of the farmhouse? Let us in. Please let us in. We need to drink. We're lost. <laughs> Help us. <laughs> don't abandon men of God. Yeah, God will punish and or reward you depending upon your decision here. Well, it just speaks to like how, you know, how scummy they are. It's like, yeah, you know, we're just going to guilt you whatever we can. You know, don't, we, we're Christians. Don't don't hurt us, please. Yeah, it's, it's very much um, it's, it's very uh, manipulative for sure. Um, so uh, this this old crone is like, fine, I'll let you in, but you all have to sleep in separate areas. Um, so, you know, uh, by the way, like while she's doing that, they're, they're obviously stealing from her <laughs> and she's giving them looks Yeah, like, uh, Hey, you can stay inside. You can stay in the barn. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, she gets them all separated and, uh, we, we finally get a good look at our, um, our protagonist here. This is a uh, coma, the philosopher. Am I right? Yep, Homa. Uh, so uh, he's uh, he gets uh, posted up there, um, takes his boots off, hangs them on a stick, uh, lays down on a bale of hay, and our old crone starts approaching him with romantic intent. Uh, Nikita, what's what's going on there? <laughs> well, um, you know, I'm pretty sure in the countryside in Ukraine it gets very lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she, the crone, clearly doesn't have a husband, and you know, there's only so many farm animals to go around. I think. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you you have a couple of attractive guys, and you have the one boy who's got like the baby face, uh, you know, nice little baby face, and he's all separated from his friends. I, I could, I, I sympathize to an extent. So she um, she is denisissing Dennis systeming uh, these boys where she's separating them <laughs> like before <laughs> engaging. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, he uh, he sees uh, he sees the crone approaching him and is like, I am not not at all feeling it. Uh, but what he doesn't count on here is that this crone is not just a crone; uh, she's in fact a witch. Uh, so she uh, she starts uh, possessing him. Uh, and in uh, a bit of action I could never have foreseen in a million years, uh, climbs on top of his shoulders and rides him like a horse. <laughs> I mean, sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just gonna say like that's you know it's it's not subtle, but we get the idea. You know, he's well, going for a ride. Yeah. Uh, so she's going for a ride. Uh, you know, quite literally on top of his shoulders, uh, and and then of course the. Uh, they start flying. She's flying on top of his shoulders. Um, again, the the effects a little primitive uh, for the flying motion, but again, I've seen worse recently. <laughs> what I, what I liked about the flying part of it is it wasn't just instantaneous. Like he's running with her on his shoulders, and slowly his legs start getting lifted up in the air. It's not like, boom, he's in front of a screen and they're just kind of twisting around. It it took a little time to get up there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I liked it. I, I thought that, again, uh, for for the time, for what is surely a pretty limited budget, not bad. Not bad at all. Um, 
So he he comes back down though from the flight, and he's like, "Ah, you, you, I'm gonna beat you to death with a stick because you're a witch." Which I mean, I think it, is that a fair reaction or is that like overreacting? What do you guys think? Well, I mean, you know, when when you're being solicited against your will, and then out of nowhere, you're all of a sudden being ridden and flown, presumably like across all of the what that I guess would be considered the Soviet Union. I, th- I think you're going to be pretty peeved. That's fair. Um, so you know, uh, Koma he uh, he takes a stick, uh, he starts beating her, uh, and the witch starts saying, "Ah, oh, I'm being beaten to death." <laughs> <laughs> Very literal. You're beating me to death. I am dying. <laughs> uh, and uh, she she does die. Uh, but before she dies, she turns into a beautiful young woman. And Koma uh, is like, ah, fuck, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. So Koma uh, leaves his boots where they are and runs, runs across the Soviet Union back to his monastery uh at which point uh you know he's uh, relieved to be home and acting a fool again uh, but uh it's it's short-lived jordan what happens there as soon as he gets back as soon as he gets back the head of the monastery tells him well you got to go back out you've been specifically requested to give uh, final rites for uh, a local i guess lord master i don't know the exact name for him his daughter is dying and you have to pray for her he's like well i don't want to (laughs) he's like i will beat you to fucking death in the name (laughs) of the lord god god be with you (laughs) it's it's insane like and it's like you mentioned earlier in that set, like he, he's telling him like I will I will beat your skin raw I will leave nothing but bone basically and then he turns around and is like oh yeah thank you for your contributions to the church God be with you yeah it, it's it, it's like that two facedness of religion that's it's it's interesting to see that bluntly it it is it is so blunt and it is so funny I I, I really I appreciate that it is not subtle in the least but. <laughs> Uh, so you know we we meet our uh, uh, our questing party at this point. Uh, Koma does not want to go on this quest, but he is being forced to, and he's got a group of uh, old uh, peasants that are forcing him to go uh, alongside. And I just wanted to say I, I wrote specifically one joke for this show. If you if you guys will permit me, is that Please. okay? <clears throat> I haven't seen this many fucked up haircuts since that two hundred and Gex show. Oof. Yeah. Oh, we we need we need the hip hop air horn for that one. That's a good one. <laughs> These guys have insanely fucked up hair. Everybody in the movie does, actually. <laughs> it's every everybody has a haircut that was done with like a blunt instrument. Um, and I don't know what the significance of that was, but I found it very fun to look at. Uh, what, what did you think about that? I mean, you know, at the time of of the you know if it's going to be historically accurate they're not going to have like the best tools to do the hair but they make up for the fucked up haircuts with some pretty uh mint facial hair it's probably some of the best facial hair i've seen in movies in like a long time specifically like the one um like the most powerful peasant in the the party the fighter or the brawler if you will um he has like kind of a, a, a somewhat modern haircut and it's closely cropped all around but there's like one devil lock coming out 
and uh, just a, a massive, massive mustache that's only at the top, uh, but it's so so long at the top that it goes down to the sides. He made me think of a Russian Hulk Hogan with that. Yeah, <laughs> the the flaxen hair. Yeah, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, I, I, I especially liked, uh, that guy. So, you know, we're, we're, we're in, uh, our covered wagon. We're traveling back to the rich man's land, uh, where, uh, Coma, uh, beat the young woman slash witch to death. Uh, and the entire time he's trying to escape and everybody, everybody's like, no, that's not, that is not going to happen. Uh, little philosopher, bro, you gotta, you gotta stick around with us. Eventually, they stop by an inn uh, while they're while they're en route, uh, which everyone becomes very excited about because it means they can get blackout drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Nikita, can you describe this this scene for us? I mean, it's kind of like it just takes me sort of back to like my family's. Uh, you know, we would have like larger parties for for older family members. You just drink and eat and then the more you drink the more you eat and then it kind of goes in that circle until everyone just starts like getting loud and obnoxious and you start singing like russian folk songs and everyone's really drunk and so you all start singing russian folk songs that everybody knows uh off key and then that's just it and then you get into those awkward drunken conversations that you usually do with family uh usually around thanksgiving i think but you know for my family it happens every time we get together um, I, this was a recurring motif in, in the movie. Uh, everybody gets insanely drunk and they start singing uh, folk songs, which I, I really enjoyed. I, you know, of course, have no familiarity with these songs, but uh, you know, in, in a way, like I kept comparing um, this to to more modern movies. Uh, for example, everybody singing along in harmony. I was thinking about like um, "Oh Brother, Where Art Thou," uh, where you know, instead of explicitly. Uh, Southern American folk songs. It was, you know, uh, Russian peasant folk songs. I thought it was kind of fun that way. Um, our, our in in the inn here, uh, our, our brawler uh, party member uh, becomes very drunk and very upset uh, that he cannot read, uh, but the uh, the monk guy can. He's like, I bet I could figure out what's in those books. Just fucking tell me. <laughs> 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 I, re- I really liked this character. J- Jordan, how do you feel about this one? Uh, yeah, he's a, a good foil to uh, Coma. And um, this is like one of the scenes where the effects are pretty good. Um, you know, it is obviously a screen, but uh, when like, Coma's pretty drunk, this guy comes out of like one door and then the next door and the next door. So it's all... You're looking at three versions of him coming out of different doors. I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, he's kind of he's getting triple vision there. He's getting the spins a little bit. He's he's real wasted, and uh, I like that they they made a visual effect to depict that in the film. I thought that was pretty next level stuff. Um, eventually, they they get back on down the road uh, to the manor, uh, and uh, I believe that's where they encounter the uh, the the lord of the manor. Am I right? Well, they find out that uh, the girl that he was supposed to pray for has already died when he gets there. That's right. Uh, the boys show up, stumbling out of their covered wagon, still very wasted. And uh, everyone is like, be quiet. You know, the, the, the girl just died. And the boys are like, oh, we got to be quiet on account of that girl just died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bro, we got to be quiet. 
And, 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 I mean, they're, they're sleeping off a hangover, too, so they're, like, you know, all complaining. And oh, I'm sure yeah. that the ride isn't smooth. They're hurting, for sure. Um, this is a, a pretty, uh, I, I guess, a fairly niche one. Have you guys ever seen the movie Wake and Fright? Mm, no, I haven't. No. It's a 1970s Australian horror movie uh, in which uh, every every person on screen... Um, is just getting insanely drunk for the entire movie and awful things keep happening because they're getting insanely drunk. And I, was, I felt like a direct parallel <laughs> uh, between that movie and this one. Uh, if you guys get a chance, you should definitely watch that one. It's a hard watch, though. Not nearly as fun as this one. <laughs> uh, I'll have to write it down. Uh, okay, so uh, the girl, the girl did not make it. Uh, so uh, our boy Koma does need to uh, stand watch over three nights and and uh, say verses or whatever uh, as as is directed by the the manor. Yeah, he tries to leave because he's like, "Well, you don't need me praying over her, so I guess I'll head on back home." And the Lord then tells him, "Like, uh, I'll give you what a thousand pieces of gold yes. uh, if you pray over her, and if you don't, you'll get a thousand lashes." Yeah, they're like everyone knows what the most painful thing on earth is, and so, yeah, they're like, "Of course, the feel of uh, leather lashed against your bare skin." He's like, "Correct." Uh, people say that you uh, lose your mind over six lashes, but I'll give you a thousand if you don't do this shit. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really appreciate how specific they were on like, yeah, everyone knows this. <laughs> <laughs> Just to kind of make it worse. And then he's also like, oh, don't worry. We, when, they get, when they get tired, we'll feed them vodka and we'll feed them drinks. So, that, you know, they're right back and ready to go. Exactly. Um, so does that take us to our first uh, our first night in uh, in the church? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just about. Nikita, you want to describe it? Well, um, so we have the first night, and he's very that's you know that the big really sad procession, and you know he has to help be a pallbearer and carry carry the coffin. They lay it up in the middle, and like. I just have to say the inside of this church and all the artwork on it is is very very like cool and creepy and it just adds to the atmosphere. I think at one point in the movie there's like a really pissed off depiction of Jesus. Yes. So like that as, I kind of want to put on a shirt. <laughs> like as a westerner that has like zero knowledge whatsoever about like uh you know the Russian Orthodox Church aside from like the various versions of Batushka. Like I, I I see this with my Western eyes. I'm like, all of your depictions of Jesus and shit are creepy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, we still use this like the regular Orthodox uh depictions, so they're not usually this creepy, but like this church, man, it's it's next level. Uh, yeah, and it, again, this is of course an intentional de- depiction on the part of this film like we're going to take the creepiest depictions of Jesus we can he's judgy as fuck he's like malevolent Jesus and we're gonna you know paste him all over this church to make it even creepier Your personal malevolent Jesus your own <laughs> malevolent <laughs> Jesus <laughs> someone to glower and curse someone who's worse alright sorry <laughs> continuing on here Nikita <laughs> So he gets he gets uh, he gets locked in and he starts like I guess getting ready. He puts the Bible up and he's just like freaked out looking at the body of the woman that 
uh, appeared before him while he was in the midst of just rocking the shit out of the uh, the old witch. Yep. <laughs> like he, he beat her back in time and then she died. Uh, <laughs> so he's just like, you know, going around and, and just making basically I think he's just making sure she's dead while he kind of starts, you know, praying over her. Um, but, you know, he's he's creeped out. He's lighting every candle in this entire uh, church here. Uh, he's a little bit drunk, for sure. Uh, what happens that causes him to kind of break here? Takes a, um, a little bit of snuff to the nose. I, as as somebody who you know, I, I don't I don't use tobacco products, nicotine products anymore. But as somebody who who did a lot in the past, I think it's very accurate here. Like, well, I've had seventeen drinks. The thing I need most right now is a cigarette. And he's like, why is it against the rules to smoke in church? Which is a valid question. <laughs> <laughs> Just lighting up a big stogie on Easter Sunday. <laughs> that, you know what? I'm, that, that, make, that would probably make the time go by a lot better. They just have to have like communal ashtrays everywhere. Exactly. But he's like, well, it, it's not appropriate to, to smoke in church. But maybe just a little snooze. Maybe a little snufferino. <laughs> <laughs> And as soon as he does that, doesn't the corpse, like, sit up in the coffin? Yes, that's exactly when he's like, oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> um, so he uh, he draws a protective circle uh, around his uh, little rectory thing with his Bible, um, which uh, it's it works. It's very effective because uh, the old witch in the coffin uh, gets out and she's, you know— trying to get into the circle and cannot there is one really striking scene here where um my wife is like uh, she's really good at miming here i'm like i think that they actually put a, a plate of glass there that she's pressed against uh to show how effective this barrier is uh and then of course you know diving around it riding her coffin like a fucking surfboard trying to get in <laughs> surfing ussr into it <laughs> <laughs> like the effect there of this 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 witch like Full-on ghost-riding the coffin is awesome. I loved it. Uh, Jordan, how did you feel about that one? I liked it. It's when you think about it and you, like, take a step away and you're like, it, it, it seems silly. Like, here's a woman surfing on a coffin as, like, the room spins around as the screen moves behind there. But it still works. It still looks good because, I mean, they probably really are throwing this woman around on top of a, a wooden <laughs> coffin. So... <laughs> you kind of feel the speed and like just the the madness of someone going around in a coffin haunting you and cursing you. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's in his protective circle, but he is uh, sustaining massive psychic damage uh due to uh, the surfing witch. And finally, uh, mercifully, the uh, you see the rooster crow uh, signifying that it's the morning. And our uh, our party crew uh, goes to unlock the uh, the door of the church to let uh, Coma out. Uh, at which point the witch is like, "Oh shit, back to bed!" <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly everything goes back together. It's it's very cool. Um, how Jordan? What would you? Uh, what's what's going on with Coma here? Well, after that, uh, we forgot to mention that the townspeople lock him in the church at night. So he mm -hmm. can't get out. He has to stay there all night. So they, they finally let him out. And when they asked him, like, you know, what was going on in there, he 
just says like it's it just some noises like nothing happened he doesn't tell them that this girl is a witch that there's evil inside he just kind of plays it cool while still getting drunk for the second night yeah uh you know he's <laughs> he's 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 kind of a mess he's he is definitely using drinking as a coping mechanism right here which is not healthy uh but i suppose if you've just been um tormented by a witch all night you might do the same um, it doesn't take long until he is, of course, forced back into the church. Not a big fan of this, not wanting to go back into the church. Uh, and the first thing he does upon getting in is draw, is draw that magic incantation circle as soon as they lock the door. Uh, what, what happens here in our second night? The coffin rises up and starts banging into his protective circle. It's very cool. Uh, yep. I, I don't know how, how I guess did they just have strings doing this shit I would imagine so like they got either may have gotten like some light wood or even just like cardboard and just kind of used uh, leveled strings and just to kind of kept banging it because it, it looks really good yeah it doesn't it doesn't look like glass is shaking like you think it would like in a hockey rink when people hit the glass mm-hmm. it, it kind of moves a little bit or you see some reflection. You don't really see that with this coffin banging into something. I, I'm impressed by the coffin banging. I gotta say it. Um, so the, uh, the, uh, the the rooster crows again. You know, he's, he's able to, to get out. Uh, oh, but before, uh, before that happens, uh, I believe that the witch places a curse on him, right? Another yep. curse. I think she's been placing curses all throughout the he's, movie, but this one's specific. <laughs> He's a little bit cursed. I think uh, she says, uh, "Cursed to turn his hair white and render him blind," um, and then something about ice or something. But uh, so his uh, his hair turns uh, gray at that moment. Uh, he doesn't go blind though, uh, but he does have a powerful need to dance. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's How got that become a gif. Him dancing because he's really going to town with his moves. Oh yeah, he's he's fucking getting it. He gets out of there. He's like, "Give me music, god damn it!" And this, <laughs> this peasant kid pulls out like a tin whistle. He's like, "Do do 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 do." He's he's ter- he's tearing it up, and I'm impressed because like you know we don't see him really sleep much throughout this this whole time that he's like praying and then just getting drunk. So you gotta imagine he's he's running on fumes and adrenaline for and sure. If anyone has like stayed up for 24 hours or longer, you tend to start acting funny. Like your mind isn't working quite right, your body isn't quite working right. So it's the sleep deprivation and the drinking and you know going mad that a witch is rising up to kill you. Turn your goddamn hair white, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I go to a Sunseeker show, I'm going to dance like this guy in the pit. Oh, I'm going to make sure we have someone filming that because that's going to be like that is going to be at the center of all of our social media. I mean, you got to have you should get someone from one of the churches to do the traditional like Russian dance that yep. you know, people know of the kicking and the bending the knees. You got to get that Cossack dance. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's that's a good idea. I'm going to start. I'm going to start uh, converting Russian folk songs for that just so we can play in Russian Orthodox churches. That's who these villagers are. They're Cossacks. They have the hats. They mention that they're Cossacks. That's sort of yep. thing. Yep. So um, 
We're, we're almost ready for the uh, third and final night. Uh, you can see that uh, Koma is more shaken uh, than a little bit. Uh, and he is fucking downing the vodka, my man. Like, in 12-ounce in glasses. <laughs> no food. He, he puts the, the stew that the women lovingly slaughter animals for and prepare throughout the whole of the day. He's like, nope. Just the vodka. So he is... <laughs> Wasted. <laughs> uh, he gets into that uh, that chapel. He's wasted. He draws a kind of half-ass circle <laughs> because he's not really. He's probably getting the spends a little bit. And this is, I think, the final eight minutes of the movie that we had we had talked about. This is when it all really pays off. Here, as soon as that witch comes out, it goes down. <laughs> we have imps we got ghouls we got goblins we got little guys who else do we got walking skeleton walking yep. skeleton we um, have like a weird like skeleton horse hydra thing with like, like multiple heads that was what made me hoot and holler at my tv i was like that's the sickest shit <laughs> <laughs> um all of these like neon green painted uh like dwarf actors come out they're Coming out of holes in the walls, we see especially Judgy Jesus on the ceiling of the chapel. It is this is sick, dude. This is a this is ten star cinema for he, for me right here. Uh, what, what did you think about all this, Jordan? I really enjoyed it. This is kind of like we we jokingly talked about earlier, like cinematographer watching this and then doing Ace Ventura and using some of the tricks, but. In this movie, you see a lot of the – they're simple but really effective, even just turning the camera sideways. So it looks like people who are like coming up out of the floor, it looks like they're coming in sideways and mm-hmm. flying in from the ceiling and all sorts of uh, simple but effective tricks of filming and making things work. And like you said, the last eight minutes of this movie are really good because this is where it all happens. There's lots of the room spinning. There's all sorts of cool things to look at. Um, the the witch, you know, she's got him scared, but he's hiding in his little protective circle thing. She's like, this is it, bitch. I'm calling out the big guns. I'm pulling out the V. <laughs> the V card. <laughs> it's like in Yu-Gi-Oh, she puts down her most powerful monster and all the music gets dark and our hero's in peril. Uh, the... How would how would you guys describe the V? <laughs> stumpy. Stumpy. He's very stumpy. He reminded me of the uh, the uh, the Ah Real Monsters guy that holds his eyeballs. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. They they should have done what they do in like pro wrestling when you want to show someone like extra big, you have a short person interview them. So the, you know you have to reach up with the microphone, and some of like the imps and gargoyle people are just as tall as he is so that mm-hmm. kind of made him a little yeah. less scary well i guess for the guy who did like to get a little bit like behind the scenes the guy who was like in the costume was like some russian strong man oh and he's just like because that apparently that thing was massively heavy so it's not like it's like cheap paper mache it's like packed on him so like the guy can barely move. He has to. I think there are most of them around there just like help lead him because he's just like I can't see, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny because he also needs his eyelids moved for him. 
Oh, they, yeah, that's right. So he's got his eyes closed, but uh, they're like, open open the V's eyelids. Let him stare at Coma. And uh, Coma is, is talking to himself. He's like, I, I must not look into his eyes lest I be bewitched or whatever. Um, and uh, the, the crow, uh, the, sorry, the uh, the rooster starts crowing. And he's like, ah, I'm safe. Time to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah, uh, which that's kind of like uh, the whole thing with uh, shit. What is it, uh, Orpheus? Like turning around, uh, seeing his wife turn into yeah. salt or whatever. Or am I confusing yeah. that with the Bible? <laughs> no, no, You're confusing well, the Bible with Greek mythology, but we know all... what you mean. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, You're thinking he, he of Sodom down. and Gomorrah and uh, Lot's wife turning into a pillar of salt. Well, this shit's all the same. <laughs> Potato for that. Uh, so yeah, he turns around. He, he he looks into the eyes of the V. Which, come on, fellas, we know you can't be doing that. <laughs> he made the, the 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 fatal easy mistake of just looking behind himself, looking at V. Everyone knows not to do it. Yep. Uh, so he he looks into uh, the V, uh, and he is he is damned. He falls down motionless on the floor, and he's probably dead. And he just gets beaten like it's like a like a like a gangyard beating just everybody piles on and starts like kicking him and just attacking him all those imps are getting their licks in oh yeah oh yeah it's like a high schoolers fighting in a in a a mall just so our our party crew they finally unlock the door in which we hit our coffin flop of the uh the film the young witch immediately turns into an old crow again in her coffin and the coffin just explodes. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love that. I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, Jordan, what, how do we wrap this one up? We wrap this up. We go back to the seminary where we see the two other um, monks who were with Coma at the beginning who I, up until that point, I thought that the crone had just killed them or banged them to death or yeah. something because they're never mentioned again and I just assumed that they were dead or gone but no apparently they're still alive and and it made their way back to the seminary and they're just kind of doing they're, they're like painting the walls and talking about one thinks that Coma's dead the other thinks that maybe he's alive and that's just kind of how it ends I love that one of them's like did you see the body did, did you see the body no. I love that one of them is just drinking a glass of vodka and eating a raw onion. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, when you drink enough. Well, actually, I think that kind of goes back to like, I want to say I heard my dad say something like, oh, yeah, if you eat a raw onion while drinking that it covers up the smell of alcohol and you won't get caught for being drunk. I want to say I heard something like that. That's incredible. That's some real problematic behavior, I got to tell you. <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense, though. It does. I'm just saying, like, in a modern context, maybe that's problem drinking. <laughs> uh, I mean, what, what what we would consider to be problem drinking is, like, usually considered regular drinking in, in Russian and Ukrainian culture, I think. That's like, uh, oh, I get drunk every night. That's fine. Yeah, that's, I mean, he doesn't hit me. Well, that's pre- there you go. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, so this movie was, I think, an hour 16, maybe of that. Uh, all, all killer, no filler, but especially with a great payoff there at the end. 
Um, it's a it's a shame. I, I would really uh, it's a shame that this is a, a one and one one of one kind of thing. I really would have liked to see uh, additional uh, attempts at horror from you know the old uh, the old Soviets. Um, but I'm glad that we I'm glad that we have this. I'm glad that we uh, we get to see like uh, you know what those uh, what those goddamn Ruskies were doing for special effects over there. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. No. I. I can't stress enough how impressed I am just because like, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of think like, Oh, well, you know, what are they doing over there? They don't have, they have to wait. And, you know, we hear the stories of everyone waiting in line for bread, but it's like, you see that, like they had a, you know, I think it was a budget of a reported like 50,000 rubles, which, you know, in 67 is, I imagine a lot. Um, and like, they just kind of went all out and you could tell a lot of it was spent on those effects, but man, that, that paid off. Yeah, I. What what was happening in American cinema in 1967? Do you guys have any any like comparison? Well, I said earlier, like Jack the Giant Killer, Jason and the Argonauts. So, it, generally, some of the same things were happening. Um, so who knows? Maybe someone involved with V had seen some of that elsewhere. Um, so it's not it's not like completely out of time. It's not like you, maybe some of the more modern movies you see people trying to do things from like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, that's fair. Um, I guess closing thoughts that we ought to put in on, on this movie. Uh, let's, let's go around here. What do you got? Jordan. I was waiting for you to say who should speak. Uh, so overall, easy watch. <laughs> Um, blissfully an hour and 16 minutes I'm so tired of movies being like three hours three and a half hours long it's so unnecessary um, a basic story a basic fairy tale story uh, that like I said it has humor in it not scary in like the modern sense but can definitely see the creepiness for a fairy tale um, cool special effects I think this is something if you're like a cinema fan or a fan of film and you're always kind of looking for different tricks or things to do or things to look out for, this is a, a good example of something that I think for practical reasons maybe some modern filmmakers should revisit instead of having to rely on computers and just jump scares and just kind of the generic things that we have going on right now in horror. Uh, it did remind me of I don't remember where this came from the exact quote but uh, something along the lines of only western movie fans expect happy endings interesting we we don't necessarily get a happy ending with this one and it made me think of I don't know if you've seen the movie I think it was called Night Watch and Day Watch I don't think I've seen that one Russian I, horror movies from like I, I found Night Watch at a uh, yeah I found that at a Goodwill I still need to watch it yeah it was those came out like I said mid two thousands and this was still relatively younger internet days but it was like Russian horror movie whoa gotta check this out it's okay like it's not as good as uh, I think it had been hyped up as but it has one of those endings where it's like not a happy ending or not even a definitive ending. It's just an ending. And it's kind of like, oh, huh. I guess we do things kind of differently and have different expectations for how a movie should end uh, when it comes to uh, American movies. And 
this kind of has a little bit of that. Like, it's an ending. We don't know one way or the other. It's not good. It's not bad. It is just an ending. And it's kind of fitting with when this was filmed and when it was written. Yeah. Um, I got to say that uh, if you're if you're a big fan of uh, the church like I am, I, I got to recommend this movie for that <laughs> for that reason alone. I think that's pretty good there. Uh, Nikita, what are, you, what are your closing thoughts on this one? Um, a lot of it is echoing really what Jordan said. It's it's a very like easy, uh, fun watch. Definitely more for cinephiles and people who like appreciate movies more. Although, you know, it's with it being easy to watch. You know, I, I could I'll still extend a recommendation to like casual movie watchers. It's and I can't like stress enough. It's it's nice to see, um, a different depiction of like corruption in the church or like the two-sidedness the duality of man within like uh religious figures and it's like throughout the entire movie homa's trying to run away from everything he runs away from beating the wish to death he tries to run away from the village and the caravan and his responsibilities and like the one time he sees something through it kills him so it's it's got a you can see it kind of has a bit of a like redeeming ending where like he finally you know redeems himself and stops running away it just is too late, but you know, he, di- he dies, I guess with a little bit of honor. Um, um no, I, I like that. Remi- I liked it a lot. That reminded me like when, um, when coma is, uh, trying to, uh, deal his way out of standing watch over the daughter of the, the Lord of the manor. Uh, he's, I believe he says along the effect to the Lord, like, why me? I'm not very good at this. I mean, I fucked the butcher's wife during Lent. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. No, exactly. Which is kind of funny. Cause I think he's, I think he mentions Lent when trying to um, uh, get away from the witch in the beginning. Like one of his excuses was like, oh, it's Lent. I'm not going to break Lent to, yeah. you know, for, for this. Yeah. So like he's, he's, he's such a, he's, right. he's such a like scheming conniver, but like, of course he, he finally like owns up to, to the bargain and it kills him. But at least it kind of, you know, he has a little bit of that posthumous redemption, if you will. We also find out that uh, somewhere in the middle of the movie, he, he doesn't know his parents. He's was adopted by the church, and so it's not like he chooses to be involved with the church or a missionary, whatever you wanted to call him. He's just kind of there, and we never like really see any sort of like faith from him. It's not like I finally believe <laughs> or thank you, Jesus. Just like get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It's 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 all within him. Uh, overall, gotta gotta highly recommend this one. Uh, if you want to check it out for yourself and you have not done so yet, it's weird that you've made it to this point of the podcast. Uh, I would say go back in time, <laughs> reconsider all of this. It's on Shutter, it's on YouTube, and I believe it is on fan favorite Tubi right now. Uh, so there you go. There's there's oh. lots of options for this one. Uh, f- well, Nikita. If folks want to stay in touch, what do you recommend they do? Um, I tend to spend a lot of time on Twitter. Same. As as you guys know. <laughs> Just because like I feel it's the least uh trash heapy of this of the social medias I use. So yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh short one oh seven seven. That's T C H Y O R T one oh seven seven. That's my personal one. May or may not follow you back. Kind of depends sometimes. Not gonna lie. Uh, but the band we have uh, Sunseeker, which is with a V and a period, because I'm not getting sued. 
Um, we have all the socials that you expect, you know, so it's sun underscore seeker with a V on Twitter and then SVN period seeker on Facebook and then Instagram. We have one too. And I'm pretty sure that one has the, uh, is it the period or the underscore? I can't remember anymore. That one is allowed the period. So yeah, we're everywhere. Uh, we got Bandcamp and all the other streaming sites and junk and the TikTok that I sometimes use. Uh, so yeah, that's us. We got new stuff coming out, new song and the w- new song recorded, waiting to be finished and with the cover and stuff like that, and probably merch and the whole spiel. And then a new album, hopefully at least written by the end of next year. But yeah, that's that's a me. <laughs> well, there you go, folks. Uh, we're gonna close this one out with some music from Sunseeker as well. Uh, fellas, is there anything else you want to tack on before we get the fuck out of here? I'll take that as a no. All right, folks. We'll see you next time. Um, support the Toilet Hell Patreon. Oh, hey, hey, hey. We got to listen to this guy. <laughs> yeah, we got we got a Patreon. There's bonus episodes over there. You can give us money. Uh, the, the bonus episode this month is Society, uh, which, like this movie, has an insane fucking last 10 minutes of it. Well worthwhile. All right, that's it. Now we're, now we're going. Bye, everybody. Bye. Later.
You're listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush.